been training at a high level for 20 years. I started when I was 13 and I'm now 33. And I attribute a lot of my longevity and ability to continue, you know, striving for my best yet uh, due to the fact that I take breaks uh, throughout the year. Welcome to the Brunch Table Podcast by Brunch Running. I'm your host, Alex Weissner. I'm the co-founder and one of the Denver Run Club leaders, and I'm so happy you're here. So this is a new podcast that we're doing because we really want to take the conversations that we were having at the table after our runs and bring them to you. And if you're new to Brunch Running and you have no idea who we are, we'll get into that for sure. But basically, we're a social run club that loves to eat brunch, and we meet on Sundays in Denver. And this year, to kind of close out the year, we decided to put together an end-of-season season year challenge called our Rest and Thrive Challenge, and it kicks off today. And as part of this challenge, we decided to put together a podcast series called Rest and Thrive, where we're talking with experts and sharing stories from people like Neely, Gracie, who you just heard, and what it means to rest and then thrive. That is the goal. That's the information we want to bring to you because if you're anything like us in our community, we sometimes do push and push and push and hustle and hustle, and you can't do that all the time. So we're really going to take a step back from that. So welcome to the Brunch Table Podcast. So lace up your sneakers, pull up a seat, and grab a bite of table pancake as we talk about all things running and brunch. These are the conversations we have every Sunday, and it is your time to join the conversation. Now, one more quick thing before we jump into today's episode we're going to talk about the rest and thrive challenge. So this is a transformative six ish week challenge that is all about giving your body the precious opportunity to rest and recover. It's setting a stage for your triumphant journey into the new year. And it's going to be so much fun. So yesterday, if you joined us in Denver, we had our trot and recover kickoff party at Upswell studio. And they're amazing. You're going to learn more about them through the podcast. But we're really going to use these next six weeks through December 31st to really just kick it, have fun. And this challenge really brings all of that to you. Now, we're not just going to sit around and eat waffles and Netflix and Norma Tech, but we're going to do some little step backs from all that intensity that we've had throughout the year. And even if you are training for a big race, there are aspects of this challenge you can still incorporate into your training to help you train better. If you've got questions about that, reach out. Let's chat more. Now, the main focus of this challenge is for to encourage you to continue to be physically active, but at a leisurely pace and with a little bit of a holistic approach. Did you know there's really great benefits of petting dogs? So that's what this challenge is really going to help you do more of. Yeah, pet more dogs. But all right, to sign up for the challenge, all you need to do is head over to brunchrunning.com, click that link to the fall merch presale, and you will see that Rest and Thrive challenge there. What you do is you sign up, and you'll then receive an email with your downloadable bingo card. This bingo card is your guide to the challenge. 
Each time you complete a square, check that off. Share it with us on Instagram because you'll also be entered to win some really epic prizes from our friends at Upswell and Hypervolt, um, Hyperice. We got some bubble baths. We got some brunch gear. It's going to be amazing. But you also get some fun swag. So sign up. You get that downloadable bingo card, and we'll send you the swag complete with a new Yeti water bottle to keep you hydrated this season. So enough of me telling you about the challenge. Let's dive into the first episode of our Rest and Thrive series with Neely, professional runner Neely Gracie, where we talk about all things taking an off season. Let's go. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited for you to be joining today. Let's start with just sharing a little bit about yourself and kind of what you're training for right now. Yeah, thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Neely Spence Gracie. I live in Colorado. I have two kids. They're five and two. Um, My husband and I met whenever we were running uh, in college, and then we started uh, coming out to Colorado for the summer uh, for altitude training and we said, you know what, someday we're going to move to Colorado. We're going to raise our family here. And so here I am living my dream, um, <laughs> living and training in Colorado. And then I also have a coaching business where I have helped uh, almost a thousand runners over the past 10 years run towards their goals. So yeah, thank you for having me. And I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah. So this conversation today is really about or is included within our rest and recovery series. And as a professional runner and as someone who has also completed in Olympic trials is working towards another Olympic trial, correct? That's correct. Yes. And what does that kind of look like? Because your training is structured. You have a training cycle, you have a training season, but you also take an off season, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've been training at a high level for 20 years. I started when I was 13, and I'm now 33. And I attribute a lot of my longevity and ability to continue, you know, striving for my best yet, uh, due to the fact that I take breaks uh, throughout the year. What do those breaks kind of look like, especially now at this level and during a year that's going into an Olympic marathon trial an Olympic, and an Olympic, year, an Olympic year, I guess? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I typically, um, so, you know, if I look back at like high school and college, um, we had three seasons then. So it was very structured. We ran cross country. We took a break. We did indoor track. We took a break. We did outdoor track. We took a break. We did our summer build up into the fall cross country season and then repeated. So it was pretty clear when you took your breaks, you know, you were transitioning from season to season. Um, but as a professional athlete, once I left that college structure, um, there's races all the time. So how do I kind of pick and choose my schedule now? And ultimately, I kind of used a similar approach, but I stopped doing indoor. Um, That was kind of something that was specific to college 
Um, and so I kind of had two seasons, but they were a little bit longer on each end. So I would do kind of like a, a fall, summer to fall season, and then a rest, and then a winter to spring season, and then a rest. And that's something that I've kind of continued. Um, obviously, it was a little bit different um, the last five years for me whenever I was kind of in that like pregnant and postpartum and then pregnant again and all that um, phase. And so running looked a lot different at that point. Um, and it was much more of, okay, you know, my break will come whenever I have my baby and I need to take six plus weeks off. Um, and then I'll restart and build from the beginning again. Um, but right now, I uh, typically tend to do about five months of a buildup. So I pick that goal race, which for me right now is the Olympic Trials Marathon in Orlando in February. And then I work back five months from that, um, which was September. Um, and so kind of uh, <clears throat> September was when my buildup began um, for that training cycle. And then in February, I'll take, you know, probably one to two weeks totally off, but about a month of very unstructured running. Um, I'll just kind of, after that initial break, run when I feel like running, run for how long I feel like going, um, not trying to strive to hit a set amount of miles or do workouts or long runs or anything like that. Um, just kind of keep it a lot more mellow. Um, and fun. Um, and then I will pick a sprinkle and I will, um, you know, kind of start another ramp up to that. Um, once I feel fully rested, recovered, um, mentally, uh, is almost even more important for me than physically. Um, I find, you know, physically I typically recover, you know, in about a week. Um, but mentally I really need that downtime to just not have that grind, um, of training. And trust me, I love the grind. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, but I find that to stay fresh, um, um, and to, you know, continue to enjoy putting in the work um, and to feel motivated, I have to take these large periods of downtime. So I want to definitely talk about both sides, that physical and that mental side of it. And I definitely, let's talk about the mental side of it first, because that buildup in a five-month training cycle, that structure, that is a lot. So kind of what tools and what activities are you taking for yourself on that emotional and mental side after a big race and after that big, a big training cycle like that? Yeah. So, you know, throughout that training cycle, I'm kind of dialing things in as we go. So I kind of think of it as like, we start pretty broad with that base, the first, you know, six weeks or whatever of the training cycle. Um, and then we start to narrow the focus in um, and, as we get closer and closer to the race, we're progress and I progress through different phases of training so that I'm peaking at that goal race, ready to go and kind of firing in all cylinders, have everything really dialed in from, you know, my emphasis on rest to my nutrition and hydration, um, to kind of reducing some of the, um, you know, 
activities that I might typically do, but need to stay, you know, away from for the that final preparation into the goal race. So, you know, with little kids, um, that often looks like I pull them out of school, you know, the week before the race, because I don't want anyone to get sick right beforehand. Um, and we kind of reduce some like social activities because I want to make sure that, you know, we're keeping those germs away um, heading into a big goal race. So that's, you know, kind of how that, um, you know, that the taper um, from, you know, all three of those training um, phases kind of into the taper peak at the goal race and then I find that I just need a break from all of that I don't want it to be this structured okay by 9 30 I have to get the lights out because I have to make sure that I can get eight hours tonight so that I can run 20 miles tomorrow um you know just kind of having that on repeat um and so I find that I stay up a little bit later. Um, I like to plan a lot of like fun social things um, because I don't have to be focused on, okay, you know, if I have an extra glass of wine tonight, am I going to be able to do my workout tomorrow and that sort of thing. So I like to just really find ways to um, relax and, uh, you know, reduce the structure that I typically have set for myself when I'm in a focused training cycle. So back to that physical side of it during that like week or two, are you running at all after a race? So Typically, when I choose my peak race, um, that is the end. I don't even cool down. I toss my shoes in the closet for about a week. Um, and, you know, I think in the summer, I took nine days off or 10 days off in the summer. Um, last year, after I ran CIM um, and qualified for the trials there, um, I took nine days off. And so um, I typically don't do any kind of structured fitness during that time. Um, but like I took my five-year-old rock climbing this summer um, during that time, you know, and we just had like a little mommy Sunday. Um, and, you know, we'll go to the pool um, with the kids and splash around. But I'm not doing like focused structured laps um, at the pool or I'm not like, okay, I have to get in this amount of rock climbing to kind of, you know, correlate to, uh, you know, strength training for the day or whatever it would be. Um, so I really don't run um, for at least a week and I don't do any kind of structured cross training or fitness. Um, you know, if I meet up for you know, a hike with a friend or um, take the kids to the park or, you know, those sort of things. Um, I like to still be outside and doing stuff. Um, I also find that kind of walking and moving my body um, is really helpful in kind of flushing out that soreness. So, you know, I might spend some extra time being like, ah, oh, okay, we're gonna, you know, walk over to get coffee instead of drive so that I can you know, have that time to move my body a little bit more, um, but nothing structured. Um, you know, I, I truly respect the time off to really rest um, and not uh, overdo anything during that time so that I feel, you know, by the end of my, and I don't really set like a, okay, I'm going to take this many days off and then I'm going to start again. I just wait till I really miss it. 
I wait until I'm ready to get back to it. And I'm like, oh, I need my routine again. <laughs> um, I can't wait to go for a run. And once that itch kicks in, that's when I start running again. I love that because it's more intuitive than just having everything planned because everything for training for a race, especially a marathon, is so structured. So it really yeah. is like giving you that opportunity to kind of do the opposite. And I think this is also a great segue into now putting on part of that coach's hat of why do everyday athletes have such a harder time taking time off after a big event versus those that are professionally doing this? Because I, you would think it'd be the opposite, but you look mm -hmm. at any professional athlete in any sport and they all have an on season and an off season. That's just kind of how it is. But yet so many runners are going from a spring marathon to a summer marathon to a fall marathon to a winter marathon. And there's always something. Yeah, it's very true. And that's something that I didn't realize until I started coaching. Um, and it's something I've been able to talk through with a lot of my athletes. You know, I initially thought that I trained in like a four phase cycle. So it'd be okay, we do our base phase, then we do our build up, which is kind of like strides and fartleks and unstructured workouts. Then we do performance phase, which is all focused on like, what is your goal? This is the paces we're trying to dial in for all of these different systems within the body. And then we have the taper. And then I realized there's this fifth phase, which is recovery. And so I started talking to my athletes a lot about this. Okay, we have to go through all five phases to have a successful buildup to then be able to take the fitness, the strength, what we learned, um, and apply it to the next one. And that's how we're going to see that forward growth and that progress. Um, and a lot of my athletes have bought into this. I have a couple athletes who um, – you know, are, are doing streaks. And so with streaking athletes, what we do is we just reduce it to one mile a day um, for two weeks after. Um, and that's considered their their rest time and their downtime. Um, and they're fully on board with that. You know, we're, we're able to talk through why it is important to back off. Um, you know, I often get a lot of questions from athletes initially about like, oh, I hate losing fitness. You work so hard to gain it and then you lose it. Um, and, you know, yes and no. Um, <laughs> you lose it initially. Initially, um, you know, every time I start back after a break, I'm like, oh my goodness, four miles is so hard and four miles used to be my warm up. Um, but then it comes back so much more quickly. Um, and your mind is fresh, your body is ready to work with you. You go through that, that, you know, four phase cycle um, after that downtime, and your body responds stronger, faster, better than it did the time before. So um, once they've seen that a couple times, it starts to resonate and then they, they recognize, okay, yeah, this is important. Um, the time that I noticed it was the hardest for people um, was during COVID when everyone's races got canceled. And so there was no downtime. Um, they were just kind of like, oh, I just want to keep training. I just want to, you know, maintain fitness. Um, so that when races come around, I'm ready to go. And I have never seen so much burnout except for that year. Um, 
it just really showed how it's impossible to train, um, you know, year round um, without experiencing some level of burnout, a lack of motivation, a need for something different. Um, and so as a coach, I've really been able to use that as an example also to help my athletes kind of buy into this fifth phase of rest in between. Um, and so, you know, I still have some athletes who do a lot of races throughout the year. Um, but what we do is we pick and choose the goal races. And then if they have to take a week off, but then they're racing in two weeks after that, we just kind of recognize, okay, hey, this is just like a fun race. We're getting back into it. Um, it's not for time. Um, and so we're able to kind of change the perspective and the goal of some of the races so that we're able to take that downtime, um, but also still able to do all the races that they want within the calendar year. I think like one of the things you hit in the head or the nail on the head was that like people don't want to lose that fitness. You see so much fitness that you build during a training cycle. And then that fear that you're going to lose and have to start over. It does. It does play with your mind a hundred percent. And it's just that mentality that then you do have to start over again. But I love how you phrased it as saying, yeah, you start over again, but then you come back stronger than you were before. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the longest I've had to take off was whenever I had my first son. Um, I wasn't able to run through the second half of pregnancy. So it ended up being about six months that I was off from running. And, you know, it took the the first like four weeks felt really weird um, and very hard. Uh, and my body was like very confused as to what running was. But I ran a half marathon when he was three months old and felt good and successfully got through it. Um, so, you know, and it really started to click after that, um, that, you know, your body will remember, uh, you know, even if it's an extended amount of time off, um, as long as you're patient uh, in that that first month getting back into things, um, you know, your body is going to recognize it and it's going to come around. Um, and, you know, I found that for me, uh, there's, you know, that fear of, oh my gosh, I lost fitness. But with each time that I take that break and then I come back um, stronger and more excited about my goals, um, I gain that confidence of actually this is what I need to be doing. I love that. And I think there's so many reasons why we take breaks. And for me, one thing I've always loved to do, especially after those big races, is do them someplace fun and exciting so you kind of then force yourself to take a vacation afterwards. Totally. I love racecations. They're the best. Um, we're actually plotting out one for next year already. So I, I think that, um, you know, that, that can be one of the most fun things and something that we've done a lot in years past. Um, you know, I ran New York in 2016 and we left from New York for a week-long Mediterranean cruise. Um, so, you know, it was uh, super fun to get the chance to run the, the race, um, but then to just transition and um, 
you know, that was really, it actually helped me take a lot of time off because um, we were walking around, we were, you know, doing so many fun things in new places um, that I didn't even really remember that I wasn't running, you know? Um, So I think racecations can can also really help people who um, struggle to take that downtime because it gives you something totally different um, to do and to think about. And when you're not in your normal routine at home, then you don't miss that run um, and that window that you're used to doing that um, nearly as much. So highly recommend that strategy. Um, it, It really does make uh, it a lot of fun and it's a nice way to celebrate too. I will agree with that. Plus it's nice. I ran Barcelona in 2021 and then we did a week long cruise and it was also nice that I didn't have to worry about feeding myself. There was plenty of food always ready when you're starving after. Totally. (laughs) And you really just feel like you're taken care of because you're just there. You can just yeah. exist and you can just recover. And if you're on vacation, there's usually a pool or a hot tub. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you don't have to be like, oh, you know, I'm worried about spending more than 15 minutes in the hot tub because I'll get dehydrated. You're like, I don't even care. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Our ship that we got on, I literally finished the marathon, got on the train went back to the hotel to meet my mom she's like we're packed and ready to go and showed up still like at the boat <laughs> my running gear and I was like just feed me and feed me and then they're like we have a cold plunge and a sauna and all stuff and I was like I will be there yep <laughs> perfect <laughs> no better place yeah. um I think that if there's one piece of advice that you could offer an athlete on recovery and taking an off season, what is the biggest takeaway that you think someone needs to know about why this time is precious and why you even include it as that fifth part of the cycle? Yeah. So, you know, I'm really, really big into having a structured and progressive training plan. Um, you know, if anyone's listened to any podcast that I've talked about coaching stuff, that's one of the number one things I say is like, you have to follow some kind of structured routine that takes you through appropriate phases so that you have all the tools you need on race day. Um, and so, you know, and then once I started realizing like, okay, rest is a key part of this, um, that plays into the success of how those phases um, within your training cycle can go, um, then I was able to, you know, really help my athletes, um, you know, dial in uh, how they can perform their best, put forth their best effort um, when it comes to that final goal race, because they then realize, okay, now I have the downtime that I need to recover mentally, physically, um, and then, you know, learn from that cycle. Um, you know, always look at the good stuff. Always think, you know, because we're not always 
guaranteed that our final race <laughs> is going to go the way that we want it to. Um, but there's always something positive to take away from the buildup. You know, things we learned about ourselves, little personal victories and training along the way. Maybe it was your longest long run ever or your biggest mileage week ever, or you stayed healthy the entire training cycle, or you dialed in your fueling and you were able to finally uh, not bonk in your race or whatever it ends up being. And so it's always important at the end to kind of give yourself time during that downtime um, when you're taking the rest from running to reflect and learn and grow as a runner. Um, and so I think that's one of the, the things that, um, you know, I I would recommend and would be a tip and a takeaway is, you know, not only is it recovering physically from the race, but it's also learning um, what went well, what would you change next time? Where did you feel that you were strong? What were some weaknesses that you can address? Um, all of those things are really important because it's going to be yet another piece of that puzzle for having everything come together the following training cycle. Um, so I always tell my athletes like, hey, send me a recap. Send me just a race recap um, and give me as many details as you can about the training cycle, about what you liked, what you didn't like, about you know what you've learned, um, how the race went, what you felt really good about. Write that down so that you don't forget it. Um, and then you'll be able to apply it to, to the future. Um, and you're just that much wiser <laughs> when it comes to, uh, being an athlete and, you know, being who you are. Um, everyone has their own things that drive them. Um, everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses. Um, and so it's important to really embrace who you are as a runner and where you're at within that journey. Um, and, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and there's still so many things that I learn and things that I am tweaking and changing and adjusting and growing from um, with each training cycle that passes. And so it's important to recognize that, like, we're never um, stagnant in that. It's always dynamic. We're always moving and changing. And that's so true. And if we want to succeed in anything, you always have to ch change. <laughs> you can't just do the same thing over and over again. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, listen to yourself, listen to your intuition. Um, you know, talk to those around you. If you have a coach, um, you know, discuss these things with your coach. Because that's all part of it. If you just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, um, you're not going to have the growth that you want. Um, and you're not going to be able to maximize the work that you're putting in. And so, um, you know, thinking about what needs to change, but also, hey, what are, what are the staples? What works really well? And what are we going to continue doing? Um, and so those are kind of two things that I've learned. Um, and that's something that I actually talk about in my book, Breakthrough Women's Running. It's, um, you know, kind of what do you what do you keep at, that's helping you towards your goals? What do you change that isn't helping you towards your goals? And then what do you need to just eradicate altogether? Um, and so those are kind of three really good questions to ask yourself in that downtime after uh, a goal race. And that's going to help you continue that forward progress. 
I love it. I have, we can go on so many other tangents, but we'll save that for another day and another conversation <laughs> because there's so much that we can just go into. And Neely, I really want to thank you for taking the time today and enjoy, especially during your busy time of the year and while you're really probably getting ready to get into your peak season of training to talk to us about taking time off and resting and recovery and just taking a moment for ourselves so that we can come back and in that next cycle, become even stronger. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it and hope that there were some good takeaways for everyone out there today. Um, and yeah, I'm also very accessible on Instagram at Neely S. Gracie. So if anyone has follow-up questions that are specific, feel free to reach out. Thank you, Neely, so much for joining us today. I am so excited that we are bringing you this podcast finally and that we're kicking it off with that Rest and Thrive Challenge. Again, you can still sign up through December 1st to participate in the Rest and Thrive Challenge. It's a six-ish week challenge where we're really going to encourage you to rest and recover and take time for yourselves. It's a bingo card. You get some fun swag. So come out or actually not come out, go to brunchrunning.com, sign up for the challenge, and let's get ready for our Thrive season. See you there. Oh, one more thing. And make sure to tune in next week because we've got some awesome things in store as part of this Rest and Thrive series. So every Monday we'll be dropping that new episode. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you share it on Instagram and tag us, we might have some other free things for you. So sh just give us a little share this episode on Instagram. And we might have some hats, hint, hint, that we can send you. So thank you so much for joining and listening today. Rest and Thrive series will be here every Monday through the end of the year. Keep thriving.